Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller-Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I am indeed Elaine Miller-Karras, and I welcome you to the show today. As we start, I want to acknowledge that today is Martin Luther King Day. And as we speak today about the challenges and hopes of of unhoused youth who are coming in contact with Covenant House, Georgia, we will honor Martin Luther King, who was born in Atlanta on January 15th, 1929. His adoption of nonviolent resistance to achieve equal rights for Black Americans earned him the Nobel Prize in 1964. His work inspires, inspired and continues to inspire all of us who work for equality and equity for all Americans and citizens of our globe. And today, another leader from Atlanta, Georgia, Todd Wilcher, will share his work with Covenant House Georgia. Covenant House provides services to unhoused youth. Their crisis shelter, the PJ Garcia Youth Shelter, serves as a home for 60 youth age 18 to 24. We're gonna learn a lot more about Covenant House and the different programs they have for, for, for young people. But I wanna tell you a little bit more from about Todd Wiltshire, who has his master's, is the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Outreach for Covenant House Georgia. And for the last 30 years, he has had many roles in helping the youth of, um, of Georgia. And if you want to you know, know a little bit more about him, you can go to Voice America's um, page and see a more detailed um, biography of Mr. Wiltshire. But I first met Todd several years ago when I was invited to Covenant House Georgia to witness the community resiliency model in action. Our show has talked a lot about the community resiliency model, which are the sponsor of the show, the Trauma uh, Resource Institute. That's one of their uh, major models that they bring to towards the world. And I am very proud to say that Todd has been a leader in the community resiliency model and has integrated the model into the interventions for unhoused youth at Covenant House. He has professional certifications in recreational therapy and other experiential activities. And I love to say that he's not, he's, he's try, he's created trauma informed care um, approaches, combining natural resiliency skills with community resources. And I think Todd, I could probably say that you are also very much resiliency informed and focused. So as we're getting started today, I know that it's, it's your wife's birthday. So I'm going to say happy birthday to her. It's also the celebration of Martin Luther King day. And I want to find out what is on your mind on, I guess, two important occasions. Cause I think as a husband, it's always important to acknowledge that wife of yours as well as of course Martin Luther King yes so definitely happy birthday to my wife Dina Wilcher she's helping to keep me in my resilience zone <laughs> oh, that is so good yes and I, and I really want to give a lot of thanks and praise to you and um, Dr. Lindy who actually brought this great resource to Covenant House and to me professionally um, it just fits 
um, like a glove with all the experiential activities and recreational therapy and the crisis management, all the various things that I've done in my career. It has really been a boost and an enrichment for all those activities. Well, as you know, Todd, that just is sweet music to my ears. And of course, Dr. Lindy Grabby is one of our dear friends, and um, she has been quite a mover and shaker in the world, bringing the community resiliency model skills. I think the first time when I met her, she goes, you've got to come to Covenant House with me, Elaine. You've got to see what the youth do down there. And of course, I've been down there more than once now to Covenant House, Georgia. So so go ahead. What, what else would you like to say? And, and you know, I'd just like to say that this has really been... Um, uh, an eye opener for our young people. You know, it's really brought hope. And, you know, on this day of we're celebrating Martin Luther King and hope was a big part of his his message and being resilient. And he was definitely an example of being resilient. But our young people are so resilient on their own. And once you tap into or uh, uh, make them aware of all the abilities and resources they have within themselves, then they just shoot for the moon once they get there. It's like a light bulb comes on. And so I just want to thank you again. And I'm continuing to learn from the young people that I work with also. And we've included this into our orientation for our staff. And so one of the reasons for that is so that we're all speaking the same language and we can validate each other within our resilience zones. And so that has been a great boost for the relationships in the community. That you we're know, one of, the, one of the things I noticed when I was at a Covenant House is that, you know, one of the young people shared with me that, you know, it's like everyone can get bumped out of their resilient zone into their higher low zone and having that common language. We also call the resilient zone, the zone of well-being mm -hmm. that it helps to say, well, there's, there's nothing, I'm not a weak person. Mm -hmm. I'm just a human person. Right. And I think that's one of the things that has been very heartfelt for me to mm -hmm. see these young people who've had not easy lives mm -hmm. and to see them really working hard on building not only their own well-being, but how they share it with others. And you were telling me about a young woman that you were particularly impressed with, Zayala. And I don't know, maybe she would be a good person to talk about from the very beginning. Yes. So Zayala came, with, came to us with a lot of trauma um, that she's experienced, you know, over her life, especially as a, um, a young person. Um, she, was, she had a stable family. Um, there was a death in the family, which caused her to go into foster care and to be moved around with relatives. And there were some abusive situations that happened. And when she came to us, um, she really latched on to the, the thoughts around the biology of the resilience zone and the wellness that we have within um, our resilience zones. And one of the things that I found that, that she really taught me about this was she was able to understand how trauma travels through our families and that she could forgive her family members because she understood the trauma that they had been through. And, and so she was able to understand how forgiveness and giving grace could help her move forward and get out of the pain and the anger that she had toward her family. And so when she expressed that to our young people, and then she became one of our, our teachers, actually, she was always there to support me and in, in providing the group. And she was able to help our staff really understand the whole um, community resiliency model and understand how it affects and how um, she can bring it to the young people in her age group, and which is great. I mean, it was it was just like a it was like a godsend having her there. And now she works with um, Doctors Without Borders, and she's with them, and she's doing internships, and she's really helping with that. 
Um, and she really loves um, uh, animals. And we have um, some pet chickens now, which we're going to have to have you come back and I'm going to have to next time I come I want to see those pet chickens yeah they help they help us all stay in our resilience all um because it's so calming to have them around but anyway she's she's just a great example of how when a young person can understand what their strengths are and then they're able to to get into their natural groove of things and share those mirror neurons as we like to call it (laughs) we're all just in a happy space and it's just a feel-good moment when we're in those groups. You know, and I think as you tell me about this too, because we've seen with the community resiliency model, when a person has this new lens of the biology of trauma, Mm -hmm. it changes them in terms of going, oh, that is what's happened to me. And when they can experience that sensation Mm -hmm. of their well-being, Mm -hmm. you know, really, Todd, we've seen it all over the world where people will all of a sudden this aspect of forgiveness and compassion, because yes. I would love to meet her. So I'm going to have to, you're going to have to get me on a phone call with her. Oh, um, yes. Is that, is that if she can do that when she's been through so much and she's so mm-hmm. young, I mm-hmm. mean, the possibilities for her at having her own agency to change her own life mm-hmm. are just limitless really. And I, I think that's one of the things I've noticed about some of the young people I've met at Covenant House mm-hmm. is they've come from very hard places. And maybe we should share with the audience a little bit about some of the statistics. Could, do you have some of those, like how, why does a young person become, um, you know, why are they unhoused? Why can't, why do they have insecure housing? So the, the majority of our young people that come to us, they come to us through um, what we call our defects or the family um, welfare system, where they're basically coming or aged out of the system in which they were placed because of some type of um, deficiency within their family or there was some abuse or there were some things happening. Um, and so a lot of our young people come to us through that. But then we have a lot of young people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community who come to us both because they don't have the support within their family or they've been exploited um, through a lot of situations that were not something that they um, deserve or even was looking towards or looking for. And so we have a a huge uh, population of young people also who have experienced sex trafficking or been exploited in the sex industry. And so we have a young people that, you know, that come to us and they're really looking for someone to, to really just embrace them and help them to, to take a deep breath or have a respite from the streets. And so that's who we are. We're Covenant House and we're going to support them with that. Well, and I'm thinking about Martin Luther King Day and, and, yeah. and celebrating his life and you know, the legacy and, and how much he believed. You know, I, I was listening to his last speech about mm-hmm. it not only being um, about the equality that he worked so hard for, but also that many people who were marginalized right. didn't have opportunity. Right. And so one of the things I've seen um, at Covenant House is the opportunity that you provide for mm-hmm. youth who've had, you know, these unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. So besides housing, what other kinds of things do you provide mm-hmm. that give the young people avenues to change their life? So we have several organizations that partner with us. Um, in fact, Dr. Lindy Grabby, who brought CAPN, Community Advanced Practice Nurses. So all of our young people are able to get their health screening, any type of uh, medical needs they have, and especially with COVID and all the other things that are out there, we, we've been able to support them with their health needs, everything from getting prescriptions for their glasses, dental services. But then we also help 
we help them with their vitals. And that includes birth certificates, social security cards, all those things, because that's part of the, the cycle of entrapping those young people is they will take their vital information, um, their social security cards, their ID, those type things, or in order to survive, then they'll sell those, that information, especially around tax time or, or whatever. And so they're being exploited in that way. And so we're able to help them with getting their ID. And we actually are able to keep a copy so that they were to lose that or something happened, then they can always call us back and they can say, hey, do you guys have a copy of my birth certificate or my, um, my ID and all of those things? So we help them in that way. We offer um, um, workforce development. And so they are able to you know, plan and, and figure out what type of career they would like to go into. Education, we partner with all the educational systems here so that we are able to provide them with um, education because, you know, the McKinney-Vento um, law actually helps us with that because every young person has a right to go to their home school and be educated. So we work with them as a collaborator on that. Well, can you say more about, I'm not that familiar with that um, that piece of legislation that you just meant it, mentioned. Oh, yes. So it's a piece of legislation. It's a federal law that says that, um, and I'm just, I'm not quoting, but um, basically it, it states that um, a young person who is experiencing homelessness or unhoused, then they have a right to finish their education at their home school. So in Atlanta, we have several counties. And so if they're housed with us, then they say they live or they went to school in Cobb County, then it's okay for us to contact Cobb County and say, hey, we have a young person who's enrolled in your school system and they need to complete their education. And so there's not a big disruption in their educational process and they can go back to their home school. And you just think about it. all your friends are there. And if you're a graduating senior, or you're somewhere close and you have counselors who you've been working with um, and they're familiar with that person, individual education plan or IEP, then that is very helpful um, in keeping them in that stability of that educational piece. And they're more likely to. As you're talking, I'm just you know thinking that you're providing like you're being their parents. Oh, you're yes. Family. <laughs> yes. You know, I tell I tell the staff a lot of times I say it was like it was college for me that kind of gave me that that steering force. You know, all, all those things, education and academic wise, but but those social skills and all those various things. And we're like a college for them in some sense. That's how I like to look at it. We're helping them to develop those social skills. Um, we have a prom. You know, we have various things. We have a that we, prom. Oh, I oh, love yes, that. We have a prom. And um, ceremony is a big part of that. And as you know, I, I, I really feel like we're there to help them to get out of that survival brain and so they can relax and have a moment to allow their critical thinking brain uh, to kind of kick in and just say, hey, I can relax. I don't have to be extremely emotional now. I don't have to think about how I'm going to survive. That's been taken off the plate. I can count on a meal. I can count on someone being there for me if I need it emotionally. Then now it's time for me to start feeling, figuring out how I can establish myself and reach my goals. And so that's how I, I really I just kind of want to underscore what you just said. I think this is so important is so many of these kids, because of the instability of, of not having really secure housing and, and also probably stable people in their lives as children. And if they've gone from one foster's home to another, their own parental family maybe was challenging, then mm -hmm. why wouldn't they be in their survival brain? Of course they are. And we know that if you are reacting out of that survival brain, then you have to figure out 
Am I safe? Do I have a place to sleep? Do I have food? And so thinking about even finishing school, how can your, like you said, how can your prefrontal cortex be there to be able to focus? You could be the smartest kid on earth mm. and yet have difficulty along those lines because you didn't know that. So yeah. you, because I, mean, I really got this for, for, from you, I think in a bigger way than I ever have, Todd, that helping them understand that yes. and how they don't have to be always on alert. Always on alert, yes. They can yes. be calmer. Mm-hmm. changes them and changes their nervous system okay. and their capacity to learn. Yep. And, and if you think about that, it, it helps you to just, just think when you can just take a deep breath and you can just be like, <sighs> you know, and that's, just think if that's your life, though, that, that you need to take a deep breath and you need to be able to come out of that mode of every moment, every, every hour, I'm thinking about how I can keep myself alive. How can I stay out of an abusive situation? And it's so good. And that's where tracking comes in, too. Um, you know, and I think that's a big part of what we help the young people with is when they understand that their body is signaling, you know, giving them signals that they need to take care of themselves and not just brush it off as, OK, just whatever. But they're tracking these these feelings that they're starting to feel for the first time, maybe that they are noticing when you're able to take that deep breath and just relax and just kind of understand that, okay, life is going to be okay. I have some hope now. Um, And what a great message for um, Martin Luther King Day. What a great message. In terms of hope, because I want to just bring out a few things for our audience. I did a little bit of research before the show today, and I found a really wonderful report um, that gave some statistics about um, children that are unhoused. And it's from the University of Chicago in 2021. And they say the challenge of youth being unhoused and experiencing housing instability is more pronounced among BIPOC youth ages 13 to 25, with 11% of American Indian and Alaskan Indian youth experiencing homelessness during a year, 7% of of Black youth, and 7% of Hispanic youth relative to 4% of white non-Hispanic youth. And they also did talk about Um, what you mentioned about the LGBTQ community and having a much higher rate of homelessness. So I'm wondering when I, you know, read those kinds of statistics, you know, what is the the, the disparities that Dr. King worked so hard to try to shine a light on and to change? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how do you think, what what it goes into your thinking about how can we change that number? How Mm -hmm. can we, is it, is it like you say, helping them to see the hope? yeah. I mean, I know that Covenant House exists not only in Georgia, it's all over the world, actually. Right. So I don't know if you could give us your opinions about that. Well, you know, one of my opinions, I really feel it takes the community. You know, it's one thing for us to educate our children and our young people about the resilient zone. But if the community has no knowledge of the resilient zone, then they're going back into that same environment with skills that might not translate for some people, right? And so I think if we can get to a point where we are educating people about um, the brain, basically, and and taking the stereotype, especially in the African-American community, the stereotype around mental health, um, because I think after this period of COVID and and all the various things we've gone through, through racial injustice and those things, that we're in need of mental health services. I think everyone can can benefit from that. But not only that, I think we can move the generations forward because I really feel our young people now are ready and they are aware 
of emotional stability and what it means to regulate your emotions. So how do you think, in your opinion, do we open that door for more more mental health services to be culturally sensitive to to Black youth, to Black families, to make this more of um, um, an opening where people will walk through that door? And I promised you guys, Elaine didn't know I was going to say this, but modalities like the community resiliency model. Because, you know, when I, when I talk to the young people, and, I, and most of the young people, I would say 98% of the young people I work with are African-American. When I talk to them about this, they understand the bi- biology behind, they want to understand the brain. So they're saying, there's not, you know, so there's nothing really wrong with me. It's just a biological reaction that I'm having, you know, to trauma or, or that I'm hungry and my resilience zone is narrow when I'm hungry or I didn't get enough sleep or, uh, or uh, I'm introducing drugs at a young age and I'm, I'm not understanding, you know, how to, to manage that. And so all those things I feel are, are helpful in taking the stigma away, but also it brings it, it fits so well with other modalities such as recreational therapy, and all the experiential activities that I do because they are based on your body and your brain being connected and working together and understanding the senses that you're getting from both. And so I I just love, and I think that's one way we can do it. I really do. Well, that's making me really happy. And no, I didn't know that you were going to say that. So, so, so I think that that also then kind of brings me to kind of another question. We have a lot of things to talk about today, but, and that is kind of the scalability. Now you there in Covenant House, I've been out there, you've got cottages for the kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what are you doing to, um, to help get that message across? I know you have, you know, Dr. Lindy Grabby and Dr. Jordan Murphy that are there with you, with you. So if you can just elaborate upon kind of one of the, some of the things that you're doing to help in the cultivation of that. Right. So um, Dr. Murphy and I, we did um, a workshop, um, um, what, two days ago, actually, with, um, it's called the Brave Space, where we work with a lot of professionals in helping them to understand the resilience zone and how to keep themselves resilient and understanding that that space. Also, um, as a physical part, you've got to see the new gift of hope. Um, and that's uh, apartments. We have 30 individual apartments that we've built on our campus. And wow. so 30 apartments now. Wow. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, it's, it's designed for all these youth who are in the housing queue here in the metro Atlanta. And so we're able to service more youth that way, but also we're able to connect with the community and, and allow them to understand who we are. And part of my job now with Covenant House is to get out and spread the word and have them understand that we are trying to create these partnerships and have them to understand who we are, what we're trying to do. Um, such an example of that is the 100 Black Men we're, we're of the Cab. We're partnering with them. Um, Morris Brown College, Georgia State University, um, all these various agencies are, are starting to to work with us, and we're definitely going to help um, to bring the word of who we are and how we're going to go about attacking some of these issues we have in the community here. Um, because we do have some problems with violence here amongst our, our teenagers, 13, 14-year-olds with guns and those type things. So we have a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of people who want to work with us, the music education groups. There's a lot of various groups there, and there's school systems too. And so I can see that you're kind of spreading then these these yeah. connections to other um, 
organizations within Atlanta? And then also, now, are you bringing CRIM to them as well? Or, oh. I mean, is that what your <laughs> plan is? Or yes. Along with Dr. Along with Dr. Um, Grabby, Dr. Lindy, you know, of course, is the guru on this. And she, she's uh, excellent at bringing people together. And I think um, Dr. Murphy just did um, um, a workshop with Grady's nurses. And I think they've, they've, they're working with them. And so I think once we, we continue this and we continue to spread the word, planting these seeds, and I think we'll, we'll be where we need to be. Um, as so, far, isn't it? And these young people are important too. Yeah. And, and this, when you, you mentioned something called the brave heart, is that what you said? Yeah, the brave, yeah, brave space. Brave Brave so space. what is the brave space? So um, Jordan, um, Dr. Murphy invited me to participate in this, this program where it's, it's a space for um, people who provide care. And it's a space for us to come. And we had um, the first time I attended, we had a little retreat and we did yoga. Um, and we were able to do some cram things and talk about some things and, you know, build a nice big fire pit um, outside and it was it was a beautiful I'm ready I'm ready to come right now <laughs> that sounds really nice yes. it's great and it was all about you know we're in, as caregivers we give a lot and we give a lot of things to others but we need to recharge our own batteries and, and that's important too that's very important because it's good well, when, like how do we cultivate that well-being when we're working so hard which we all are doing and I think that just is so critical mm-hmm. you know with all the things that that we're doing going forward yes. so um, so I, and I want to just say something about Dr. Jordan Murphy, since we mentioned Dr. Lindy Grabby and Dr. Jo- Jordan Murphy is also created something called Bridges to Therapy that mm-hmm. I know that that came out of about, came out of Covenant House where, you know, we're talking about mental health and she said, well, I would try to get these kids into counseling and they'd have a four or five month wait. Mm-hmm. And so then she started doing the community resiliency model skills as mm-hmm. kind of like, a holding pattern until a therapist was available. And I just want you all to know that Dr. Murphy was able to get some funding and now she's piloting this all over Georgia. So I think that's, I mean, I think, I guess what I want to say about Covenant House is there have been so much seeds of growth of goodness that's come out of Covenant House in so many ways, not only with Dr. Lindy Grabby and Dr. Jordan Murray, they have lots of ideas, but also you, Todd, and Mm -hmm. also the young people that are there that are trying to cultivate this Mm well-being. Because I think that we were talking before the show started about when we hear so much about, oh, people are, you know, using the word unhoused or homeless, we're trying to switch shift Mm -hmm. to the unhoused word, is that there's all all these kinds of um, thinking that, oh, all homeless people are a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I hope that when we come back from the break, that we can talk a little bit more about just, we we mentioned about some of the kids that have come out of of foster care, but maybe give a better picture Mm -hmm. um, of what people are facing because it's it um I think that sometimes people that have advantages mm-hmm. will sometimes be judgmental mm-hmm. and not realize just the challenges that that are faced. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. So I just we're gonna take um we're gonna take a, a couple minute break. So you're gonna hear from about our, our sponsor, the Trauma Resource Institute. I Always love to mention them, and I want you all to know you could go to www.traumaresourceinstitute.com and learn more about our work and our trainings that we have all over the world, including all the trainings that we've done in Atlanta. But also, uh, we have many humanitarian projects. We have one going on for Ukraine right now. 
Um, and you can always donate to the Trauma Resource Institute. They do very, very good works. And many people, I think, know that I'm the co-founder, but I probably should say that since I'm saying it might be good to donate to it, Todd. <laughs> So <laughs> it's a place to donate. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's it's a place to to think about that. So we'll be back in in a couple minutes um, with our continued dynamic conversation with Todd, who will tell us more about the wonderful work of Covenant House Georgia. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine Miller-Karis book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine Miller-Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Todd Wiltshire. From Covenant House, Georgia, we've been having a dynamic conversation on how to help youth who are unhoused and or have insecurity in housing and the many beautiful things that happen through Covenant House. So, Todd, as we come back, could you tell us a little bit more about Covenant House? Is Covenant House only in Georgia? Is it other places around the globe? Tell us a little bit about Covenant House. So, um, Covenant House, Georgia, we're part of the Covenant House Federation, which includes 33 other sites. Um, and they span from two in Canada, um, three in Central America, California, New York, um, Florida. And we're all basically trying to serve unhoused youth at various stages. We also serve um, pregnant and parenting. So those are young people who are um, expecting mothers or who have young kids and we have housing for them also. Um, we provide services for them. Are there um, young people that become pregnant and then get kicked out of their homes that they don't want them to be there when they're 
Yes. Does that happen? Is that part yes. of it? And unfortunately, there's um, also um, in the sex trafficking, they um, there's a lot of young ladies who are pregnant because they bring a lot more money to the whoever's exploiting them. And so unfortunately, that's that's a serious problem, too, um, that that is not well known, but it, it happens. So yeah. there's I mean, they're being exploited because they're pregnant. Because they're pregnant, right? Um, because of the different fetishes and uh, you know all these different things out there um, that people can, you can actually go on uh, these different sites that they have, and and thank God many of them have been shut down. But you can kind of go on and just put in a description of what you would like, um, and so those things have. Um, uh, it's so just bad. What, so how would a how would a young woman find? you all. So what is it, the kinds of outreach you do to let them know that they're, that they don't have to do that. There's another way that they can be. So that's part of what I do with Covenant House too. I have a street outreach team that is excellent. Um, They've been with us, man, over at least 12 years. Um, I have some volunteers that are are, are dynamic and I also have an outreach specialist. His name is Mr. Um, Maurice Cates. And we go out and we establish ourselves in various areas, but we also try to establish ourselves with people in the community. So when they see um, these young people who are in these high traffic areas of um, sex trafficking and those type things, and they'll let us know that there's a young person that needs your help. Um, and it takes about three times for us to contact them, for them to trust us and understand that we're there to help. Um, and actually, we take out our youth ambassadors that we call them, the young people who are actually in the covenant house. And they're able to approach a young person a lot faster than I would be. So if I'm on the street and I come up to someone, hey, I can offer you housing, I can offer you, they're like, yeah, right. Um, but if I have a young person with me or someone who can vouch for my credibility, then that helps a lot. So they're a bridge for, for you. Oh, they're yeah, young people. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. So that the young people become youth ambassadors and mm-hmm. they know that, that you've helped them and now they try to get kids off the street. They try to get kids off the That's street. That's terrific. So mm-hmm. you have enough housing for the children that need this or I, could you always need, you know, I, I know. You know, there's never enough housing. <laughs> there's never enough housing. And then especially when we get our cold snaps um, and then we're allowed to, you know, create emergency space for them. And um, Atlanta does a good job of opening up Atlanta, you know, the um, warming centers, they call them. Um, but, you know, in the summer times, it's hard because, you know, then a lot of young people will go into what we call abandos or the abandoned um, houses or apartments or whatever, because the weather is where they don't mind being in those different areas and stuff. So um, it's hard. But word of mouth, most of our young people refer to us through other young people. And so that's the so that's really important to to create you know really an army of them to be able to right. go out and help and no I totally understand that you know mm-hmm. somebody that's old and me going out there they go what does she know but there's somebody that looks like them go okay you know where I've been fella so I can I'll follow right. that through so like, you know I guess I have I, gray hair now so I, I go out I, tried, I, I was I was teasing Todd because I hadn't seen him for a while and the last time I saw him he didn't have a beard it's got a little gray in it so um, I don't know whether that's just the pandemic blues that many people have had where the that the, that gray has come in but I think the other thing um, is important if anyone is listening Todd that may know someone that is unhoused can you give them some information could they call covenant house georgia and you would try to link them so is there a telephone number that you could share with us now yeah so i can share that number that number is 404 589 
1-800-273-0163. And then on our website, um, if you go there, there's an 800 number, and I don't have that in front of me. But if you so, go to that. And the, and the website is what? What's the website? Um, Covenant House, Georgia, www.covenant house. And then you just pump it in and it'll, it'll pop right up. But if you put Georgia, it'll send you to us because there's covenant houses all around. And then there's, um, there's the United Way. Um, so if they go to the United Way, then they can direct them to whatever program that, um, that you know, might help them. The school system is also another place. Uh, the homeless liaisons um, are designed to help those young people um, in the school system. So either the social worker or there is a person designated as the homeless liaison. And so those are very helpful. We get a lot of referrals from the school system. So it's really important that if you're out there, if you know someone who's unhoused or if you are unhoused yourself, please reach out for help. There are people with good hearts, good souls that will help you find stability and I think new opportunities. So I just want everyone to know that. And we'll mention again, the, the number again at the end of the show, but you, you know, I want to, I want to kind of change our direction for a little bit. Okay. So, you know, hearing you talk just even today, I'm so always impressed with you. And, you know, one of the things about leadership, which I think Martin Luther King, you know, gave to all of us was seeing a leader that came from the black community that we could embrace, all of us could embrace with his um, vision, his amazing way to bring people together. And, you know, you're a leader, I want to say. You didn't know I was going to say that to you, but yeah, I'm going to say it. You're a leader too in the in, in really the tradition of Martin Luther King. I think he'd be very proud to know you and the work that you're doing when you say 90% of the kids that you work with are black. So, what drew you to this work? Why did Todd Wilcher decide mm. I want to devote my life to youth? You've been spending a lot of years yeah, creating sure. programs and being with young people. So that just doesn't usually come out of the wind. So right. tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, that's interesting you asked me that question because when I when I think about Martin Luther King and I think about the way that I grew up, I told you I, I grew up in Macon, Georgia, and uh, it was it was during the period of integration. Um, I, I remember clearly I went to uh, a segregated Catholic school. Um, it was an all-black Catholic school. And from there, um, I think when I was in second grade, maybe I was integrated into um, this school that was all white. And they bust us there. And I can remember just clearly um, that I had a pleasant experience, which was great. But of course, my parents put in me that, you know, hey, you've got to go there and shine. You know, you've got to really stand out. And um but I can remember clearly the entire school being out front. And as the buses were pulling up, they were clapping and welcoming us there. And so that was that was an excellent experience. But then I can also remember um, clearly when Martin Luther King was killed and um, just the fear I had of my uncles and, and my aunts and those people. Because at that time, the mayor put out this shoot to kill of anyone on the street. And I was, you know, I was... <laughs> You know, I was young. I was very young. And so I was just, I could feel the fear in the family. And so, um, and so as I, as I grew, old, grew older, I started to understand um, my role as most of um, my family are educators or they were teachers. Or, um, my mom worked at the hospital. She worked in healthcare for a long time. And so it was just, um, it was something I was naturally drawn to when I started to, um, 
when I was in high school and, and, and as I went on. But then also I saw a lot of mental health, drug abuse and, and those type things within my family. And I wanted to understand what that was. And to be honest with you, that's why I went to college and I kind of went into at first physical therapy. But then I was able to, um, because I was on scholarship to play football, I couldn't take all those classes. It was a conflict. And so recreational therapy was introduced to me. And then as I went to grad school, um, mental health. And I always felt that that was something that I was yearning to learn so I could, you know, just help not only others, but my family and, and, and really help my, my two boys that I have who are adults now to help them avoid some of the things that I saw when, when I was growing up. And so I just knew that this was something that was needed both in the African-American community, but not only that, in America, period. You know, I think we're, we're in need of some serious um, just soul searching and just kind of understanding where we're going from here. I think so. And certainly we've seen so much in the last you know, few years, especially with things that have been um, really surprising to me, the, the amounts of hatred that's been expressed. Yes. And, and we have to have antidotes to that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I know that, you know, it may sound corny, but one of the things that I always was appreciative of Martin Luther King was I thought he always expressed love. And even when you think about going forward and when someone is um, involved in violence towards you, that you have a nonviolent approach, which really then is so um, integrated into love. Yes, yes. And, you know, and hate takes such a toll out of you. You know, it's, it's, it's and, you know, I, I watched that. And um, just like I was saying about Ziala, you know, I, I get a lot, a lot of young people that they come in and they have this serious disdain or hate for their family and what they've been through and all that. And then when we start to talk about the forgiveness piece, um, and I, I think that's for everyone. It helped me also to understand that, you know, um, you're not doing it for them, but you're doing it for yourself and that you can move yourself from that hate and understand that, you know, within the love of yourself and, and making yourself better. And really, the people around you start to attract people to that love that you're trying to to give out. And when I hear you saying that one of the things that you wanted to do when you were a kid and going to school was you wanted to help your family. Yeah. You know, yep. I'm saying that you were yep. given from your parents that family is important. Yes. And by learning more about how to help them, isn't that kind of also loving them in a way that's, that's true. kind of, a, yes, the, the sweetest kind that's of thing, true. right? And that's true. And here you and, are. And no matter how my young people have gone through, you know, um, if that mother or whoever called them and needed something, they will give their last. Um, they will even jeopardize their housing to try and get um, to a relationship with that family member. And so I've seen that happen also. So, I mean, the ties to the family are so strong. Yeah, even, so, even when the family hasn't really given you the best, right, there's right. always the hope that maybe there's something that might be found, you know, that hopeful, optimistic view that we seem to have as human beings that maybe they'll be better than than we could have anticipated that mm. they may. Yes. Yes. So, you know, so what has been some of the hardships for you, Todd, of working mm. at Coven House with the youth? What have been some of the challenges, if you want mm. to share some? of work we do. I think the, the most challenging um, part of this is allowing young people um, to really carry their journey. You know, even though 
I could see that they're not going in the right direction. Or I might say, hey, um, if you do this, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Um, you really got to, I mean, you, you've got to allow them to the space to make decisions and, and have choice in the way that they do. And that's one of Covenant Houses. Um, one of our principles is allowing them to have choice because um, no matter how I try to, you know, be the authority in their lives or I know what's going good for you. Yeah, I know that if you go that road, it's not going to be good. Some, some be kids good. just have to go down that road. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, and that old saying, which, you know, I understand it even more now when they say um, our young people are the authorities on their life. They are. They are. Um, and so when they leave um, Covenant House outside of those protective gates, all I can do is just say a prayer for them and just, you know, just hold faith that um, they're going to be taken care of because that's the hardest part. Just when you know that this is not a good situation that you're going back into or they've been exploited by a person and I know they have and, and they're just not ready to leave that person. They're not, they're not ready. And unfortunately, we've lost some young people to the streets too. I mean, we've lost either through death or just incarceration. Uh, but the one thing that helps me to keep going is when I have a young person come back and just say, hey, Mr. Welch, you know, I, I have a family now. And, you know, I, I really couldn't stand you when you when I first started. But now, you know, I really see what you're saying. And I find myself saying some of the same things that you say. I'm like, really? Oh. And so it's just it's, it's amazing because you just got to get them through that age of 18 to 24 where they can kind of start to use that part of their brain that just has you know, consequences, you can start thinking and just... Well, and we know that the, you know, the, the the brain, especially the male brain is not fully formed till about the age of 25. So that 18 to 24 is yeah. so impulsive. But how much that does mean to you when they come back and say, well, even though I was a little bit of, you know, not the best, right, right. I remembered <laughs> what you said and, and that really stayed with me. Oh, it is. It is. And, uh, and man, you really understand the meaning of grace, too, because that's one thing I love about Covenant House. No matter, you know, if they, they have some things where um, we necessarily we can't have them, we have to transition them to another shelter or to another place. We still give them the opportunity to come back and, and, and talk about how they can make it better, what they can do. And I've noticed that, you know, like you said, as they get older, they get closer to 24, 25 it, it is better depending upon the amount of trauma they've experienced, but it, 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 it just gets better. I mean, now, I don't know if that happened to you, but I can remember my parents seeming pretty ignorant at the age of 18. <laughs> and they were, I can just say, you know, my parents have gotten a much wiser at like 25, oh. right? I don't yeah. think they changed. I think I changed. Yeah. I think is having the grace to hold that because I'm thinking about what you really do too, is you mentor these, these young yeah, people yeah, you when they haven't had mentors that have given them stability. And even though I always think about that too, is that we never know when we plant a seed, how the seed will grow and sprout. And when you tell me about this young man that came back and said, I've got a family now. And I think about what you said, and I say it to my kids, how, how that paying forward is happening. We um and in fact we had um uh, he came back for our, our big fundraiser which is what we call our sleep out and that's where we have all these um executives come out and they sleep on the campus in a sleeping bag on a piece of cardboard and basically they sleep out for the night raising money for Covenant House and he actually came back to volunteer 
And so um, the staff told me there was a young man that wanted to see me, one of the volunteers. And so I went down and man, when I saw him, it just made my heart just jump out of my chest. I, I, it was like, and you know, he had a beard and everything. He was like, Mr. Wilt, you have a beard. And you know, I said, great. And, and he was telling me all the things he was doing and and uh, we helped him get into college and all of those things. And, and so anyway, it was, it's just, those are the kind of things that get, get you going. But on the flip side, you know, back to your question, it's hard to see the young ones, young people who they've got to experience their journey and there's nothing we can do. And there's some that you lose. And I think that would be probably the hardest thing because you see the possibility that they sometimes can't see for themselves. But then I guess the other thing then is that, you know, I always say what else is true Mm. is that doesn't stop you from continuing. Right. 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 So is it those stories like the young man that you just shared that go, okay, that one can't change, but I can, I can, I can remember this one. Right. And, you know, and I can remember my own life. Um, uh, my coach, his name was Coach Gordon. And, you know, he, he would take us out. And so I grew up in Macon, Georgia, like I said. And so we would, to make extra money, we would, he would take us to these peach fields where we would go out and, and basically people back in the day, um, if you grew peaches and you had too many on the limb, then you would knock some of them off so the others would get big. And so he would take us out there early in the morning. And I'll never forget, we were out there, it was, it was three of us. And he told me, he said, Todd, you know, you could go to college. And I had never thought about that. I really hadn't. Really? You hadn't thought about going to college? I hadn't even thought about going to college at all. <laughs> and so he, he said, man, you know, he said, with your talent, you can definitely get a scholarship. And he said, you can go to college. He said, you're smart. You have, you know, you, your grades are good and all those kind of things. And man, he probably never thought about how much that meant to me and how those, that he planted a seed into me where I was like, Shh, you know, I'm, I'm going to college, you know, I'm, I'm going to. So he, so he, he, he told you, and now you pay it forward to many. I, I but I'm ever able to go back and tell him how he made an impact on oh, you? I did, I did, I did. I went back. This has been many, many years ago, and I ran into him at a Waffle House down in, in Macon, Georgia, and it was just my wife was with me, and I told him that story, man. He, he just kind of his eyes kind of teared up, and he was like, Todd. He said, "Man, he said you guys, y'all don't know what you did for me because I found out that he was a foster kid." He grew up, he actually had a black family that raised him. And so, because I always wondered why he was so cool. You know, he was so in <laughs> everything. And he was just this coach that was cool. That was a white guy, but he was. He was <laughs> and so now, yo, he was raised by a black family. So he was cool. What <laughs> <laughs> then? <laughs> so it was, it was, man, you know, and so life just gives us all those nuggets, man, for us to pass along. You know, and when we run into to young people, you never know. And I and I tell the staff that too, um, that you know, we we shouldn't walk past any youth that we see on our campus. If nothing else, just say hello and just find out, you know, is there anything you need? Has anyone said anything to you? Because you never know, just dropping some good some goodness into well, them. Well, it's kind of like what we talk about in the community resiliency model. You can do a, a re a you know, you can do a conversational resourcing in a minute and pick a kid up from who's on the ground and have him feel a little bit of his best self. And who knows, that may be the thing that changes. And, you know, now that we know that, you know, I, that uh, positive childhood experiences, the work of Dr. Christina Bethel, that mm-hmm. that can mitigate the um, adverse child experiences that we have. And mm-hmm. if you have like, what is it, two unrelated um, adults that believe in you yes and yeah. say you're worth something, mm-hmm. that that can change the trajectory of your life. Mm-hmm. And when I when I say that out loud, I think that's what you're doing every day at Covenant House. That's so true. 
that's so true. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I love that. Right, you make sure you use that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is true. Is it's what you do with bringing these kids up, and 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 again, just like your coach did all those years ago, mm-hmm. saying, you know what, you could go to college. And I mean, and that brings me up that I uh, to Anthony, another person we know right. that right. I met him years ago at a, he came to a CRIM teacher training. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lindy Grabby said, this young man has promise mm-hmm. and I'm hearing such good things about him. Can you tell us a little bit about what Anthony's doing? Do you know what he's up to? So the last I heard, I, um, Anthony was definitely um, working and I think he was still, I know he's still in school. And he was doing a great job. He had his own place. He had an apartment. And so I haven't been in touch with him. And it's been a minute since I've really um, talked with him. But I know Dr. Lindy and one of her friends, they basically have been in touch with him. And they've really, really been supporting him in in the way that he does CRIM. Now, he was one of the young people who initially, um, guess I, I mean, he really motivated me to really look at how Krim changes these young people. Cause I always knew he was smart. I always knew he was smart, but man, the way that he was able to bring the program to other young people, he was the first. Amazing. Really motivated. Yeah. He was, he was well, amazing. I have heard that if Anthony's listening, I hear that he's pre-med and that yeah. he wants to be a doctor. Yeah, and, I know. and I believe that he can, if he continues yeah. on his pathway, he'll do that. So, you know, I, this, this, this hour is like, boy, is this, this has been a quick minute. It's gone really fast, Ted, Todd rather. Um, so I just want to see as we're getting ready to end today, is there any kind of wisdom, any parting message that you would like to leave our listeners about the work that you do at Covenant House? Mm. So I, I think to sum it all up and then, looking at the, the talk that we've had, um, we're in the business and we, we always look at part of our mission statement is really just um, just being graceful in the way that we provide um, service to our young people. And um, with Martin Luther King Day, I think one of his great quotes was, um, you know, everyone can be a hero because we all can serve. All right. And Everyone should be a hero because we all can serve. I got to say that again. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, because we can. We can serve. And there's nothing like, I don't care what my day is like. If I'm there and I just get out of myself and I just go and start serving and just helping the young people and just finding out what's going on with them, it, it moves me um, to the point where I can just, you know, I can definitely move towards my day with a lot more understanding that, hey, I, I, I really have a lot to be grateful for. And so that's the thing that I would like to say. And I would like to invite everyone, if you could, to come to Covenant House if you can, if you're on this side or a Covenant House near you, come out and just and see what we're doing. We're trying to be a part of a movement that, uh, that really helps to show these unhoused young people that they are important. And we only need two of us to say something positive. That's right. Well, you know that I'm there. I've been there twice already. I would come again. I always am inspired when I meet the young people there, um, Todd. So can you tell everybody as we're getting ready to leave, we've got about a minute left, the telephone number slowly of how to contact the Covenant House and the website again. Okay. Um, The number is um, 404-589-0163 and www.covenanthouse, Covenant House, Georgia. And you put that in and it'll come up and um, you'll be able to, to get with us and help us. And I really like to thank you, Elaine. Thank you for all that you've done. You're a hero also. You're a leader. 
I think you're bringing a change across the world. And I really, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a, my little bit, but yeah. I want to thank you for being on the show and being one of my heroes and mm-hmm. the work that you do in the world. And I want to remember and remind our listeners to remember what else is true in your life. That if you're feeling a little down today, mm-hmm. just kind of think of that one thing that uplifts you. Maybe there is a person in your life that one time said something kind to you, or maybe you can extend out and do some kindness to someone else because that can actually help ourselves too. So I'm very grateful for Todd Wiltshire today, and I'm grateful for all of you here at Voice America and our audience that listens to us from around the world. So blessings to all of you. Until we meet again, remember what else is true. Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine Miller-Karras, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.